friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Crickets Chichichings. My name is Lauren Keflinger and today on the podcast with me I have Brooke McMichael who is going to talk to us and tell us a little bit about her story and what she has learned over the past couple of years of being on Etsy. So welcome Brooke. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah I'm excited to dive in. So Can you kind of introduce yourself, tell us what you do and how long you've been on Etsy and just a little bit about what you are doing in your shop and who you serve? Sure. So my name is Brooke. I actually live in North Carolina as well. So I think that's pretty cool. I started in 2014. So I asked for a sewing machine for the purpose of really just making like gifts for people so I could save money, you know, and I was like, I could do, you know, little handmade gifts. And I was like, well, it'd be really cool to be able to make my own curtains at home and stuff like that. My husband got me one and it was a sewing and embroidery machine. And so when I figured out that I could do like monograms, I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is so much more fun because, you know, in the South, it's very popular to have everything monogrammed and um, everything personalized. And I was like, this is really cool. So I just started playing around with the machine and I actually made a few like this was like during baseball season and I made like a few tank tops and all I did was because I'd had it for a couple of months and I'd figured out like how to applique and stuff like that. So I just did like a little baseball on a tank top and I would put like the last name of the player. And I had these moms that were just like, I want a tank top. I want a tank top. And all of a sudden, like all these moms are coming to my house and they're just like paying me um, for these tank tops. And my husband was like, wow, like, could this be like a business? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) It kind of started out that way. And um, I started doing that and it was just a lot of fun. So we both work full-time jobs. And so I was doing this on the side. Well, I got super, super busy doing that. And I actually branched out and was um, doing like some contract work for a boutique um, about 30 minutes away. And I remember having like at one point during Christmas time, I had like boots stacked. By this time, I had upgraded the machine. We actually, I guess I, I need to backtrack a little bit. When we figured out that it could be profitable, we were like, you know, let's do this as like a little side business. So we did that and um, we upgraded the machine. I got like a multi-needle commercial machine and I started doing it for this little boutique. And my husband was like, listen, if we're going to make this commitment, like we got to be able to pay this thing off with what you're making off this side business. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it. So I did. I started, you know, contracting with this lady at a small boutique and I had so much business but I was doing it obviously after work and uh, while my kids were asleep. Well, I had two at the time. I have three now. I remember like during Christmas time, there would be like stacks of boxes that were just like from the ceiling to the floor of just like shoe boxes with boots and 
shirts and blankets and all these things. And I would just stay up like all night long and I would embroider and I would get a couple hours of sleep and I would go to work and I would come home and I would embroider. (laughs) And I finally got the machine paid off. And then at the time I found out I was pregnant. Um, I was also getting ready to start my national boards because I work in education. And I was like, I got my machine paid off. I don't know if I can continue to do this full time. So I kind of cut back. Um, I didn't do it with the boutique anymore, but I just did small orders that were easy for me to take and some that I like to do. And then when COVID hit, I started really playing around with the software. And I had had an Etsy store. So my store online has actually been there since 2014 when I started. But when I started playing around with the software, the design part of it was like just, I just fell in love with the design part. And I was like, I'm going to put some designs up there. And that's kind of how the design started. So my shop actually has gone from like, I had a few things that I sold online, physical products, um, but I just couldn't figure that out. I ended up just paying a couple of dollars just for like renewal fees. And I never really did anything with it. But when I started selling the designs, it was like daily sales. And I was like, I can do this. So here we are with my shop and I'm just trying to grow that. <laughs> yeah. So I really love, well, first off, I can relate to a lot of pieces of (laughs) what you're talking about because because I also do the monograms and I also worked with a local boutique for a little while, but that is a whole different level of somebody else setting your expectations for you, which is difficult. But I love also how you've kind of gone through these iterations of having this business. Like I get so many people who come to me and they are wanting to have, and I know that so many of us are perfectionists. And so it's really hard not to do this, but they want to have like the perfect iteration right out of the door. And it's not, you know, like what's perfect for you in this stage of business might not be a year from now or two years from now. So it's, I think it's so important to be able to allow yourself to transition as you find things that you like to do better or that work for your lifestyle better, like the digital, you know, the embroidery files versus selling physical products or whatever. It doesn't mean that that time that you spent doing the physical products was a waste of time. It got to where Mm -hmm. you are now. And it also, I'm sure, helps to like point you in the direction of the kind of, you know, the kind of designs that you were drawn to and the things that make a design stitch out really well or not, or what, you know, I mean, it teaches you about the business. Yeah. Because really, if I wouldn't have started there, there's no way I could have just opened like a digital design store because I wouldn't know, like you said, what makes the feel or the density or the tension, you know, all that stuff I wouldn't have understood until I had been using files, good files and bad files for a while to know what people were looking for. Yeah, totally. So then you kind of got into this digital. For those of you that are not familiar with machine embroidery, basically much like doing things like a Cricut where you're doing like vinyl or whatever, you download a file that then you can lay out on the computer with a name or whatever you want to do. And then you plug it into the machine from your computer and the machine stitches it out onto whatever you're embroidering. So what Brooke is doing is designing those original files for the machine to then read. 
So now you've been doing this for, <laughs> feels like COVID just started, but it's actually been about two years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been doing this with your Etsy shop and the digital downloads and everything for since that time? Right. For two years. Whenever we were home for COVID, I think I started around June is when I started posting the digital designs. So almost two years. Okay. And how has that been for you, like being in the digital space? And one thing I do get asked quite a bit for people who want to, like they're dabbling in digital stuff is... Mm -hmm. If there's a lot of like the customer service aspect of it, like you get a lot of people who download files that then don't really know what they're downloading or how to use them. Or I've gotten this concern several times with people who are afraid to get into sort of like a tech help situation with customer service. It does happen. And it's mostly with new embroiders or people that just bought this machine and then they're on here like, how do I do this? But I love that part of it. Like, I mean, I was a teacher for a long time and I I still work in the special ed department, but I do compliance now. So like the teaching part of it is fun for me. I love when they kind of like ask me, how do I download this? Or how do I get it to do this? Or what are you using and how? And I like that part of it because the relational part is what like drives me. I like the customer service part of it. But yeah, you do get a lot of questions as far as like, I tried to make it really clear. I got several questions about downloading. So at the very beginning, when people were like, how do I download this or this isn't working? I just went ahead and changed the description to make it to where I gave them several options like download options with instructions so that they weren't confused. And I think that helped, but you still have people, you know, that just never read the description. And then they're like, what is this? At the beginning, I was surprised a lot of people didn't understand zip files. And so they didn't understand how to do that. And honestly, when I first started posting the zip files, I was actually compressing them the wrong way. And so when I was uploading them, people couldn't download them. So I had to actually change all of those listings because I was really learning as I went as well for the digital part. That was new to me. So now that I understand it, like I try to be really patient with those people that are like, how do I download the zip again? And I'm like, I gotcha because I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that you said in the form that you filled out about being on Cricket's Dish Chings was about getting feedback, whether it's like actual feedback on Etsy or just through combos or whatever, where people were offering constructive criticism yeah. <laughs> or were not happy and how you've learned from that. Can you talk to me about that? Absolutely. So it's really hard not to take it personal, you know, and I try not to because I know that that's just not the right thing to do. Like it is a business and it is something that I've created as a file for someone to use. But I really try hard to, you know, I try to focus on quality and I really try to give the customer like what they paid for. So if there's something that does need to be changed, I really want to fix it. Like I want to make it right because at the beginning, I laugh because I hear some of you, you like picking on yourself about some of the things that you posted at the very beginning. And I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, If I sold this file now, I would feel bad because I just didn't know 
what I was doing when I first posted it. And I would never sell that again, you know? So I don't want people to get the same quality now as they would have gotten two years ago when I just started posting. So I try to make it right. But I remember one time I was actually in it. It was an after school meeting. And so it hadn't started yet. And I was just checking my email, sitting there at the table and a notification came through and it was like, um, so-and-so has left you feedback. And almost all of the time, it's really positive. Like it's usually five stars or if it's three, it's usually like something to do with either downloading or the density or the amount of stitches. And normally I take that and I look at the file and I change it. And if I do update the file, I'll usually send it to the customer and I'll try to, to send it to people that have previously bought that file just as like an update, like, hey, this has been changed. This is better. This is newer. Here's the updated file. But I remember this one comment, I'll never forget this girl was like, I have no idea who created this design. This person must have been drunk when creating this. This thing was all over the place. It had a million stitches. It had a million jumps. It just does not work. We'll never buy from this shop again. And I was just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I kind of just like took a breather and I'm like, okay, it's not a personal thing. I have no idea who this person is. This person does not know me. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Right. But I actually, when I got home, I opened the file and I was like, this file is a disaster. Like, (laughs) how did I even post this file? Like, how did I even think that this was okay? I didn't realize the file was that bad until I opened it. It looked really good on my screen. But I think when I viewed it in the, um, and that's another thing I've learned to do every time. Like I was like looking at the true view version of it and not the stitch version. And I've really had to get like, train my eyes to be able to look at the stitch version and know what's going to happen with the file so that people aren't getting those jumps everywhere. And I have to remember too, like I'm selling to multiple different types of um, embroiders. So some people have a one needle machine and those machines are sometimes they cut for you. Sometimes they don't. Some people are having to cut these things with scissors afterwards. And I had to, you know, remember that too, because my machine is multi-needle and it cuts after each time by itself. And so it's nice and clean when I finish, but it's not that clean for everyone. So I just um, took a second, thought about it, responded later. And I was like, look, you're right. This is a disaster. And I apologize. I will fix this. I will send you a new one. I will give you a free design. If you find another one that you like, I um, apologize And it was hard to like see that and have that in your shop. But then again, I'm like, you know what? If she would not have said that, like if she wouldn't have left any review, then several people could have bought that design and just said, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. I'm not coming back to this shop. And that's not what I wanted because I did want people to have good designs that they could use and come back and find a new favorite and, and, you know, buy that one and use it and not have problems because there are some stores that, you know, I have bought from before on Etsy and I either know like this is going to stitch out really good or this is going to be a horrible design. I can't buy from that store again, just because there was always errors when I went to sew it on a product. Right. Yeah. I think it's so key to be able to, and I mean, like you said, it is, it is extremely hard for everybody to hear bad feedback. Like right. I don't know anybody that likes to hear bad feedback. Right. But I think that it is so important to check your initial reaction, which is almost always going to be on the defensive. Right. And to say like, is there any truth to this? 
I had bad feedback. Actually, she didn't leave feedback because I ended up canceling her order, which is why she was mad at me. But (laughs) her message was, you're a horrible business owner and a horrible person. That's what she wrote (laughs) in my, her message to me. And, you know, my initial reaction is like, she doesn't know me. How dare she say anything like that? You know, but at the end of the day, like there were a lot of missteps along the way that led me to canceling the order where I took a custom order that I really didn't want to do because she told me this sob story. And I ended up like just not having the capacity to take on a custom order. I don't take custom orders in my shop and I made an exception and I shouldn't have. (laughs) And so then the more demanding she got, the more I was like, I really don't want to do this. And so, you know, what that taught me, like, I don't think I'm a horrible person and this stranger does not know me, but (laughs) I did not handle that transaction well. Like I should have been more transparent about the fact that this was not a good match and she needed to find somebody else to do it. And that was my mistake, you know? So even just that, which wasn't even feedback in my store, but like to go forward with it, it's like, okay, now I know like... When I have those spidey senses that say, hey, I really don't want to do this. I need to be firmer about it and not take the order on and then like string somebody along for a week and then cancel the order. (laughs) Like that was my mistake. Yeah. And it's hard to do because you want to fulfill every order. And I've had a hard time. I still have a hard time with that. I still have a hard time saying no, even with um, personal, like, because I still do embroidery on the side just for friends and family and like local customers and stuff like that. But I don't take on anything anymore that I know is going to be like really, really hard or take two hours or like fix something, like take the stitches out of something and oh, replace yeah. it with something else. Like I don't do that anymore. But I've had customers similar to that. And, and I guess my point is that there's just going to be some that you're never going to make happy. And even though you want to do it the right way, you have just hard customers sometimes. And like you just have to accept that because most people are very grateful and very gracious as far as, you know, oh, this design didn't work. And you send them a new one and they're like, thank you so much. It works now. I appreciate it. And sometimes I'll throw in like a free design or when you mess up like a physical product, there is a lot of cost involved because I've had to replace items before where I've had to do the embroidery and replace like the shirt or the onesie or whatever it was. But with digital products, you know, if I'm just losing my time and I can make it right, then I'm more open to doing that because, you know, if if I've just got to fix it and it's just a time thing, then that's fine with me. But like there's some customers who have left bad feedback. And then even when I did make it right and replaced it, they're like, you know, I'm sorry, I'll change my review. And that's fine. But they would still like post a picture of the first stitch out and be like, really good customer service, but quality was poor, you know, so it was like, Yeah, it it is a better review, but it's still kind of a bad one. (laughs) Yeah. I think for the people listening, like the point is to be able to not be so reactionary when you hear bad feedback to say, where are the areas to improve? There are times where it's a user error or it's a problem with somebody like the buyer is the problem, but there also are times that the buyer is not the problem and it is your fault. And, you know, to be able to have sort of a non-emotional response to that and be able to say like, 
is there validity to what, you know, if somebody's telling me I'm a horrible person, like I'm not going to internalize that feedback. But if there's criticism about the product in a way that I can improve that or the customer service or whatever part of the experience it is, then to actually, you know, check your defense mechanisms and say, like, how can I improve that? But I also love that you are very willing to say, like, I'm learning as I'm going. So it's not going to be perfect. And like, maybe people are going to leave you a bad feedback because they didn't have the perfect stitch out the first time around. And then you're just going to go from there. Like, it's not the end of the world. And you don't know exactly all the issues that you could potentially run into right out of the gate. And you just learn as you go. Yeah. And that's been hard too, because I don't want to put stuff up there that because it's like, it's you, you want to find a balance. You don't want to lose customers that have come and gotten, you know, one bad design could cause them not to come back. So it, there is like a, a line where you have to say, I want to make sure it's good enough to sell, but because you don't want to lose customers. Right. But you want to make sure that you're not just never posting anything because it's never, like you said, never going to be perfect. In fact, up until like six months ago, I realized I probably need, because my software was, I've had the same software, which is a really good software since 2014. But because I have not upgraded my software, I noticed that as other embroiderers were buying newer softwares, they were unable to open some of the file formats that my software was saving in. And so I actually just upgraded my software. And that has solved a lot of those problems because I was like, if I'm going to continue to grow this, I really need to keep updated you know, software and designs and kind of move forward as everyone else is moving forward. Even though I really did not want to learn a whole new software or invest in a whole new software, it's exciting. But then when you think about it, it's like, gosh, I really like my software and I know what I'm doing. And now I've got to kind of start all over. But you do just have to kind of grow and change as everyone else is growing and changing. Absolutely. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you feel like? Because, okay, for people listening, We're recording this the end of March and Brooke has just over 3,300 sales. So this has been like not even two years. And so that's a lot. So how do you feel like you have kind of built your customer base or got your name out or just gotten, you know, that traffic to particularly with a digital shop? It feels like with COVID, a lot of people moved into digital stuff. So How do you feel like you've been able to stand out in that way? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that I did. I mean, I give a lot of credit to you too. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the podcast, but I've actually been listening since I started this and I followed a lot of other, a lot of other YouTube videos just on SEO in general. And a lot of them covered the same topics, but with, Yours was very detailed as far as like branding and then, you know, the rate at which you grow. And I don't know, a lot of the questions that I had were answered really just from the podcast. So I started that. But as far as like me standing out as a shop, it's hard to say. I was kind of surprised myself because I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that these things would sell, but this is really fun. But 
First of all, I think the use of the tags and the titles before I didn't even know what tags were. So when I started selling physical products, I'm like, no wonder nobody bought anything. They would never be able to find this on Etsy. (laughs) So I didn't even understand like the SEO part. I didn't even know what SEO was until I started the YouTube videos and then listening to your podcasts and all that. And I was like, okay, so there's like a strategy to this thing. Let's see if I can make this thing work. So the SEO was big. And then as far as like the designs, I really just kind of focused on ones that were seasonal to see how they did first before I added other designs. I'm one of those people. I'm like the opposite of the one that is afraid to start. I'm like, I have a million ideas and I want to implement them all at one time, which is probably one of my downfalls because I'm not really good at the details because I just have so many ideas and I want to put them all out there at one time. So I'm like, okay, um, what is a cool design that you could embroider on something? And then my mind just goes into a million places and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things because I'm like, and I'm really still trying to figure out who I'm selling to. I know I'm selling to machine embroiders and I know they're mostly women. I think some of them are probably middle age or older, but there are some shops that sell directly to machine embroiders that only do baby items or some that only do like tea towels or some that only do like t-shirts or logos and stuff like that. So mine's more of a mixture and I'm still trying to niche down that way. But I think that my sales have probably come from like the, the knowledge I've gained from the podcast and the use of SEO. The branding, I've actually changed my logo twice because I'm really still working on, you know, who I am as a business and what I want to portray. So I think I've gotten it finally down. But then also the customer service part, I think, has really brought back my repeat customers because now when I'm looking at my orders, I look for those little yellow stars and they're becoming more and more prevalent in my shop because the same people are coming back. And then I also started doing custom designs, which is cool because there's not a lot of people that do that. And I don't really charge that much for it because I don't take on like something I don't think I can do. I usually do like simple custom orders, but those people come back and I have like the same customers that want the custom orders all the time. And they're like, I really want like an original thing to sell to my customers. And I love your style. Can you just create whatever it might be? And so we kind of interact that way. And we message back and forth until we agree on like the image that we want. And then I'll start digitizing from whatever image we agree on. So that's been pretty fun too. So I would say like the SEO is major. And then the customer service are probably like my biggest strengths as far as like drawing people in and and keeping them there. Yeah, absolutely. So you joined Scale Your Sales and that's really exciting and I'm excited to work together. So I kind of want to hear about what your goals are now that you have been in this for a little while and, you know, kind of getting your feet under you in terms of the direction that you want to go. Where do you want to see this go in the next year or more. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a goal setter. So I have definitely have some concrete goals. But I probably shouldn't do like e rank and other things because I do compare myself and I'll get on and I'll see all these shops that have like over 30 sales a day over 40 sales a day. Some of these shops have honestly only been on there for months. And I'm like, wait a second. 
I've been doing this for two years and why is my shop not as good as theirs or whatever? But I'm also have to remind myself like this is my part-time job, you know? So a lot of these people are doing this all day long, which would be awesome. I don't foresee myself like quitting my job anytime soon. But for me, I have a goal of 30 sales a day. I started, I would say last year, I was probably getting maybe maximum five. And then over the summer, we were on vacation. And I remember like the little cha-ching going off several times a day. And I was like, wow, this is exciting. Um, And I felt like, you know, and I still feel this way that as you grow, it kind of grows exponentially and it kind of grows like once you start growing, I feel like, okay, now it's really getting good. It's going to get better from here. I feel like once I got a couple sales, then it just kind of multiplied. But I would like to get 30 sales a day. That's my goal for this year. Right now, it's probably nine or 10. There's been days where I've had over 20 and it was just like the best day ever. I was so excited. So I'm like, you know, how do I have 20 today? But then there's been days like today I haven't had a sale, but like weekends usually pick up. And sometimes I'll have, you know, seven to nine sales on a Friday or a Saturday. So my goal really right now is 30 sales a day. And I don't know why that's my number, but it's just my magic number for next year or for the rest of this year and for next year. Yeah, I think that's great. And I I think it's totally doable. I think what you said is true. It's like pushing a boulder up a hill. And then once that momentum gets going, it gets so much easier. So building up to the point that it has, you know, that that momentum starts to grow and then there's sort of this exponential growth path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting. Thank you. I think one thing too, that I want to focus on is um, just more branding and more figuring out like who I'm selling to. And then I also want to improve on my pictures because a lot of the shops I see that do have a lot more sales, their pictures are a lot more uniform and they kind of like, you can open up the shop and know like what kind of shop it is. Like, you know, they're kind of selling to, like little kids items or toddler items. I think mine are more across the board. A lot of the things I have now that are selling really good are like the collar embroidery items where you just have like a word that's small across the collar of a shirt and the person can kind of resize it or put it on whatever side or change the colors or whatever. Or I can do that for them. Those are very popular, but I don't want to stick to like just collars because next year, you know, when that's not popular anymore, I don't want to get rid of the seasonal, just like regular, like hearts and clovers and and Christmas ornaments and Christmas trees and things like that either, because those also sell really good seasonally. So I'm trying to keep it narrowed down enough to where, I don't know, and maybe I should get your thoughts on this. There are some shops that have thousands of digital products, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I know that you can, you know, get more customers and appeal to more customers that way. But sometimes I feel like sometimes when people visit your shop, they do get lost in digital items when there are too many. They like get to page five and they're like, okay, I'm tired of looking, you know? So that's something else I kind of want to figure out too. Yeah. You should fill out the form for a hot seat and we can talk about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'll be my next goal. <laughs> yes. Well, Brooke, I know you have to get back to work and I really appreciate you taking time out of your lunch break to come and chat with me and record this for me. 
if people want to look you up and see your shop and maybe we have some, I know actually that there are quite a few people who do machine embroidery in the audience just because that's also what I do. So a lot of those people uh, (laughs) connect. Yeah. So where can they find you? All right. So my shop is Blue Willow Embroidery. It's all one name. And then I'm on all the social media outlets. So on Facebook, I have a page and a group. Um, It's also Blue Willow Embroidery. I'm on Instagram. It's Blue Willow Embroidery. And on Pinterest, it's Blue Willow Embroidery. So pretty simple to remember. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brooke. And check her out if you do machine embroidery and you want to download some designs. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I would love to continue this conversation and connect with you over on Instagram. I am at lauren.keplinger and I am in my DMs and interacting with people all the time. So if you have questions about the episode, follow up, thoughts, comments, whatever, shoot me a DM and I would love to connect with you. I will see you back here, same time, same place next week. Bye for now.